morning. The reading this morning is from Psalm 9, which is on page 546 of the Bibles on your chairs. So that's Psalm 9 on page 546. I will give thanks to you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing the praises of your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For you have upheld my right and my cause, sitting enthroned as the righteous judge. You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken my enemies. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the people with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers he does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter Zion and there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forgot God. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know that they are only mortal. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Juliet, for reading. Let me pray before we start. Father, as we meet on this Remembrance Sunday, we thank you that we have the chance to remember the one who gives hope in death. Be with us, we pray, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Edith Cavill was a pioneering British nurse who was court-martialed and executed by the German forces occupying Belgium during the First World War in 1915. Her crime had been to work with the Belgian resistance to shelter Allied soldiers trapped behind German lines and to get them to safety. Her execution by firing squad 
provoked worldwide condemnation. But in the face of such injustice, and as she faced her own death, Cavill maintained her strong Christian convictions. The night before she died, she told her chaplain that in view of God and eternity, she would not have any hatred or bitterness towards anyone. As they shared communion, she thanked God for the 10 weeks she had been in prison and for the time of quiet reflection. And after taking bread and wine, they said the words of the hymn, Abide with me. Edith then gave her chaplain the letters she'd written to friends and families. And when they came to say goodbye, she smiled at him and said, we will meet again. This morning we join with millions around the globe to remember those that have lost their lives in the many worldwide conflicts. And I thought it was fitting to share this testimony of a lady who even as she faced her own untimely death at the hands of those doing evil while she did good, Edith Cavill worshipped her God as she faced execution. At the point of death by her enemies, she bore no grudge or hatred and had peace. And we might ask the question, how? How is it possible that Edith could smile and praise God? At last week's prayer meeting, we heard the heartbreaking stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters in places like Nigeria and China, places where being a Christian can mean loss of jobs, loss of homes, loss of freedom, loss of financial security, even loss of life as white people are killed at the hands of their oppressors. And again, as we hear these stories, how is it when everything seems lost, and when it looks like the wicked are winning, how have so many believers over the centuries stood firm and continue to worship God in these moments of defeat and despair and sung his praises even as they faced death? like Edith Cavill. Well, this is the situation that David finds himself and has compelled him to write this psalm of praise. Now, like many of his psalms, David begins with thanks and worship in the first couple of verses, which I know that we all know off by heart by now. And we can literally picture him standing on the top of a hill, surveying all around him and singing. David has a personal relationship with his God and his entire being is praising God from a full heart for all that God has done for him. And he wants to honour God by speaking and telling of these amazing things. He rejoices. Notice in verse 2, David specifically sings the praises of your name. In the ancient world, to praise and declare the name of a person was to honour and celebrate their nature and their character. And David holds his hands high in worship as he declares, God is the Most High, completely set apart and worthy of praise. 
Now, I think if we take these verses in isolation, I think it's, this is the experience of, of most Christians most of the time. We can join in and we agree and we praise God for all he has done in his world and for us and we declare his name and his perfect nature and character. I had that experience this week myself as I walked the South Downs for two days. I enjoyed his creation, reading his word and reflecting on all he has, is and will continue to do in his world and in my life. But am I, are you, like David and Edith and the persecuted church, are we able to sing his praises in the battle and in the hard times? Well, it seems that is clearly the context that David is writing into. He speaks of enemies. He speaks of persecution by the wicked. He speaks of death. Now, it might be easy for us to tune out at this point. Because the situation David described in Israel isn't our experience here in Banstead. And of course, to, to some degree, that is true. We aren't in the, on the front line in the, in the Ukraine and fearing our physical safety. But all of us at some point do face difficulties in this life. There are times when we are vulnerable, when we face battles we can be feel defeated by our circumstances. Maybe some of, it, some of us are actually being rejected by friends and colleagues, even family, because of our faith. But for the majority, the battles and hardships will be our worries and our anxieties about our relationships, our children, our finances, our health, our loneliness, our future. At times, the burdens can weigh so heavily on us, we just don't want to get up out of bed in the morning. And that can affect every aspect of our life, including our worship of God. Or maybe it's we feel trapped and oppressed by our sin. The battle against sin is like warfare, and the wreckage can be catastrophic. And if we give in to the allure of sin, whether in thought, deed, and action, the defeat can leave us crushed and lead us to lack assurance and even doubt our salvation. And let's be frank. Unless the Lord returns first, one day we will all face the ultimate enemy of death. So David's psalm of praise in the battle will certainly be relevant and helpful for all of us this morning and help, to sh help us to shape our worship of God in those times of vulnerability and when we feel defeated. And as we go through Psalm 9, David gives us four reminders to join him and sing the praises of the Lord's name. Firstly, because the righteous Lord is enthroned forever. Now, as we read the psalm, there are several themes and repeated words. One being David's confidence in the Lord's eternal rule as king. We can look at the language David uses in verse 7. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne. Verse 4. He is sitting enthroned. Verse 8. He rules the world. Verse 11. 
the Lord is enthroned in Zion. Now, it's likely that David wrote this psalm as he himself sat on the throne as king of Israel and and had all the authority that comes with it. But as he writes, David shows his humility. He knows there is only one true king and that God is the ruler. He is sovereign over his world and everything and everyone in it. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. So he is the one who reigns over all. David says he will rule forever. And for David, that drives him to worship because David knows that God's rule is good. David has confidence. Where does it come from? Let's see that in verse 8. He rules the world in righteousness. David knows the righteousness of God. The truth that God's nature, thoughts, feelings and actions are always right and correct. God's righteousness means he himself is the final, absolute or perfect standard of what is right and just. So knowing that this God, perfectly righteous in every way, is on the throne ruling, brings great comfort and confidence to David and that he can trust the eternal good God with his life in all of his circumstances. Whether that be as he fought his enemies, as he defended his throne, or made decisions for his nations, and even as he repented of his sin when he messed up. He always put his faith in the righteous nature of his God. And I think for us today, this is a wonderful reminder as we survey our world and witness the deeds of the unrighteous. I think particularly those in authority, the obvious being Putin and how he is oppressing the innocent in Ukraine to satisfy his own need of power. And even in our own country, we look to the scandals and the poor actions of the leaders of our country over the the last few years. Or maybe we witness the unrighteous in our own lives, in our workplaces, in our schools, colleges. And in the times we have a sense of, what on earth is going on, God? Why? Well, both David himself in Psalm 14, and the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, they remind us, that none are righteous. No, not one. The unrighteous turn away from God. And that is our natural state. But for those who seek God, he does reveal his, in his word his righteousness and perfect plan for eternity for all who put their faith in him. That he will reign in righteousness, today and forevermore. But in the midst of the battle and the struggle, and when we are personally affected, we know that it can be difficult, don't we? So we can also sing the praises of his name because the trustworthy Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. Now when we think of the word refuge, what comes to mind? Maybe an imposing building with locks on the doors. Maybe a thick-walled fortress. 
or perhaps something as simple as a canopy to keep you dry in a rainstorm. Whatever the picture that comes to mind, it can be agreed that a refuge is a safe place. And when the Bible describes God as our refuge, it is saying that God is our safe place when we need protection. And David recognises here, and in many of his psalms, that God is his refuge. Let's read from verse 9. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. At different points of his life, David was on the run from his enemies. But he always found safety in God. David's confidence was born out of his experience as he knew God doesn't forget the needy and offers hope to the afflicted, as we read in verse 18. And the more we get to know God as our refuge, the more freely we will also trust in him. We won't won't fear our situations or people will threaten our well-being, whether in a physical or a spiritual sense. Because there is no situation we will ever face that is out of God's control. So the best place to be always is right with him. And remember, God will never, never forsake those that seek him. Those words in verse 10 are very, very precious and they must bring such comfort to our persecuted brothers and sisters. And as we were challenged last week, we must regularly uphold them in our prayers that they would stand firm on this truth and continue to run to him for safety. But I think those words are also so important for us in the spiritual battle. Perhaps when we are fighting sin and we're losing or in the midst of a crisis, or a trial, and it seems our prayers just aren't being answered. Even children of God can feel forsaken at times, and we might turn, we might tend to run from God rather than to him. And we may try and find our refuge in the world and its distractions of pleasure and escapism, even though we know that ultimately that's not going to do us any good. And I must say, over the years, that has been something I've experienced. When I've sinned, I've felt I can't pray. And there have been times that I've doubted that I'm even a Christian. And when overwhelmed by burdens, I've sought refuge in the things that may settle my heart, maybe for a few hours, but in the long term do me absolutely no good. But over the years, I've matured and I've I've chosen to seek God and to pursue him in his word. I've learned to trust in his name, his character, his goodness, his mercy, his compassion, his forgiveness, his love. At times of real trouble, stress and worrying in the testing of life, I've been able to flee to him and hide in the comfort of his safety. 
And that can be true for all of us who flee to Christ. So we can sing praise to the Lord for his righteous, eternal reign. We can trust in his comfort and we can sing praises of his name as the just Lord destroys the wicked. Throughout the psalm, David praises God for his justice and he recognises that the battle and oppression from his enemies, which he had many, he recognises that it's temporary. Verse 3, my enemies turn back. They stumble and perish. Verse 5, you have blotted out their name forever. Now, David doesn't mention a specific enemy or battle. We know God gave David great victories, starting as a teenager over the giant Goliath, to all the way to when he was king, and battled and defeated enemies like the Philistines over and over again. His use of past and present tenses in these verses as he sings of his victories are what the Bible calls prophetic perfects, which are a feature in the Old Testament. He is describing events that are yet to happen as if they have already happened because he is so certain that God will always fulfil his promises of justice as that is what he's always done in the past. David knows God as his rescuer, And again, sings the praises of the Lord's name because of his just character. David's thoughts leap ahead from his own story of victory to what it points to. God's total victory and reign of justice worldwide and everlasting. And it is a stark warning to us all. Notice how many times in the psalm he uses the word nations. He is warning all of the ungodly who ignore God, and in particular those that oppress God's people. But in the end, they will face ruin and destruction as they face his righteous wrath and judgment for their actions. And we should join David in praising God for that. We praise God that he's merciful, so we should praise him that he is just. God is on the side of the humble and the oppressed, so much so that he avenges their blood, verse 12. Just as Abel's spilled blood cried out after his murder by Cain. And it's the same for today. We think of the countless murders and deaths around the world, And we know that so many are not brought to justice. Well, the voices of the innocent cry out to God and he remembers them. He will avenge the blood of the persecuted and the afflicted. And again, what comfort this must bring to the persecuted Christians facing death around the world. And this might not be our situation, But it is good to remember and praise God for his justice in all of our situations and to keep an eternal heavenly view in our times of trouble. Because he is in control. Even when we don't understand and it looks like the wicked are winning. I think verses 15 and 16 help us and are a great reminder that the Lord works his good purposes through the wicked deeds of men. Eventually, the wicked are ensnared in their own traps 
that they set to trap others. God uses those in his wisdom. And it's a pattern in the Old Testament that we see over and over again. There are many examples. The one that came to my mind was Joseph's brothers. They set a trap and fight against God's clear plan to exalt Joseph, which only ends to further serve God's sovereign plan. And of course, the clearest example we have is in the New Testament, as Jesus is betrayed by uh, by Judas and killed by the wicked. We must remember that because God uses the evil of man for his purposes, that doesn't justify man's evil. The ungodly must repent and turn to Jesus before it's too late. And we must challenge the unbeliever and proclaim the saviour to them. As many are caught in the trap that Satan leaves for all who don't know Christ. Verse 17. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead, all the nations that forget God. Death and an eternity without the Lord await. But that leads us to the final and glorious reason to sing the praises of the Lord's name, that the merciful Lord rescues from the gates of death. Fifteen years ago, Lorraine, my wife, um, visited, a, visited, visited a friend in the Princess Alice Hospice, hospice in Isha. Uh, she was losing her battle against cancer. And it was a terrible time for everyone. She was so young. I remember the thing that Lorraine told me that stuck with her the last time she visited her was fear. Her friend was terrified. But that's not David's experience. Even in the times he was vulnerable and at his lowest and staring at defeat, and even when he faced death itself, David prayed. Verse 13, have mercy and lift me from the gates of death that I may declare your praises in the gates of Zion. David didn't fear, but rejoiced in his salvation. And because God rescued him from the point of death, David could proclaim to everyone his salvation and the one who delivered him from death, his Lord. And David rejoiced to give him all the glory. And David also had confidence that there is a glorious future to come in Zion, the new Jerusalem. And the wonderful truth this morning is that we too can join David in rejoicing. As this psalm finds its completion on the lips of the greater David and points us to our King, our Lord Jesus Christ. As he travelled Israel and ministered to the weak and the oppressed and called sinners to repentance, Jesus faced rejection and the traps of the wicked, which ultimately led him to the cross. On the cross, Jesus met the enemy. And in obedience to his Father's will, and because of his great love for his people, Jesus willingly took the place of sinners like you and I, 
as he faced the wrath of his father in our place. And he took the punishment that we deserve. And because Jesus knew the truth of this psalm, he could do it with confidence and trust. The Gospels tell us Jesus always rejoiced in his Father's eternal righteous reign of justice. And he always trusted his Father. And at the point of his death, Satan and the forces of darkness were defeated. And Jesus was raised to new life in the power of his Father to seal victory. And he is now reigning as the king of the cosmos. This is the good news of the gospel. And for all those that come to know Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And if that's you, we can join together and sing this psalm. Because the truth of this psalm is revealed to us in the person of Jesus. Christians, we can rejoice in the salvation his death brought us. We can look at the cross and the empty tomb and rejoice that we have been rescued for eternity. And that includes now, today. Even at our lowest points in our lives and in the struggle, even when we feel despair and already feel defeated. He offers rescue to those that trust him in those times of depression and discouragement, or whatever situation you might be finding yourselves in this morning. And that has been and is the truth for all Christians across the ages. It's why Edith Cavill could rejoice in the sight of death. It's why the Nigerian and Chinese Christians continue to worship through persecution. And it's why so many of you this morning have persevered through deep times of trouble and distress. So let us share our testimonies and be a witness to each other. When we are going through those moments of doubts because of our sin... Let's remind each other of our forgiving and merciful Saviour and his promises to us when we repent. Or when we feel oppressed by the world and our circumstances, let's remind each other to go to his word for guidance and to be reminded of his goodness and to be in his presence for comfort. Remember, God loves you that much He allowed his son to die. This is the good news that has changed many of us this morning. And that good news is true and consistent, even in the battle. So let's proclaim his rescue to the nations. Let us tell all of the salvation he has brought to us in this life and the sure hope he offers in the future. Let us tell our friends, our family, our neighbours, our colleagues. Let us go to the war memorial this morning as we celebrate those who gave their lives. Let's tell them of the one who laid down his life for sinners. Let's pray for the oppressed in the Ukraine. But they will know they have a refuge. 
Let's tell the single mother who is struggling to support her family in the energy crisis that she can run to Jesus. Let us tell the grieving husband. Let us tell the bullied teenager that they have a saviour in Jesus. We have spectacular news to share with the world. Let's proclaim it to the nations. I'd like to close by reading verses 7 through to 10. Let's pray. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you served us and that these words are true and that you showed us they're true by giving yourself for us. We pray we would be those that would proclaim your name, your saving grace to all that we come across. Today, tomorrow, forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, As the band return, we're going to sing and worship.